Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Recently, the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, or AFRA, announced it's expanding its crackdown on the cosmetic surgery industry to include non-invasive procedures like Botox and fillers. After implementing 16 recommendations to improve the safety of cosmetic surgical safety over the past 18 months, the move to include non-surgical has taken many by surprise. Including myself, because it was very clearly excluded from the original cosmetic surgery review. I think there has been some consternation among general practitioners who might be responding to injuries in these non-surgical cosmetic procedures. Today, we look into what a crackdown on non-surgical cosmetic procedures looks like, why it's needed, and whether it will impact your ability to get your regular filler or Botox appointment. But first, your news headlines for Wednesday, September 13th. Firefighters are working tirelessly in the Northern Territory to keep a massive blaze four times the size of the ACT from pushing towards the remote town of Tennant Creek. The Barclay Fire has burnt more than 10,000 square kilometres of bushland and started inching closer to Tennant Creek overnight as the winds changed. Firefighting reinforcements from South Australia are expected to arrive on Wednesday, including a team of specialists, two strike teams of volunteers and a paramedic. The blaze started on September 6th and has intermittently closed the Barclay Highway and could see the Stewart Highway close due to smoky conditions. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has stepped off his private train after arriving in Russia for talks with President Vladimir Putin. Kim left Pyongyang on Sunday on his bomb-proof luxury train that is his preferred mode of travel. There has been no confirmation on the site of the summit between Kim and Putin, but the Kremlin said that it will be a fully-fledged visit involving negotiations between the two delegations and one-on-one talks. On Monday, the US urged North Korea to abide by its promise not to sell arms to Russia that could be used in its invasion of Ukraine, which it said would violate Security Council resolutions. Work will start soon on thousands of social and affordable homes as the government's $10 billion social housing fund is set to pass federal parliament. Labor has secured the numbers it needs to pass its Housing Australia Future Fund after winning over the Greens and the Senate crossbench, with the promise of more immediate spending on community and public housing. The fund is expected to deliver 30,000 homes in its first five years, with a large portion of these allocated to key workers such as nurses and emergency workers, as well as women and children fleeing family and domestic violence. The bill is expected to clear the upper house on Wednesday. 
Researchers have found that the risk of developing dementia is lowered significantly by receiving treatment for hypertension. Researchers from the University of New South Wales have found that treating hypertension or high blood pressure in people over the age of 60 reduces the risk of dementia occurring by more than 25%. High blood pressure is known to be the most prevalent risk factor for dementia and affects more than 1 billion people worldwide. Dr. Matt Lennon from UNSW Center for Healthy Brain Aging said the study showed important effects for people through their 70s and 80s who remained at a lower risk of dementia if they were already being treated for high blood pressure. And the results of the study should inform how GPs treat the condition. And a Vincent van Gogh painting that was stolen three years ago has been returned to its owner. The painting Spring Garden, which dates from 1884, was stolen from a small Dutch museum during a COVID-19 lockdown. Security camera footage showed the moment the thieves broke into the museum by smashing glass doors to steal the painting. But it has now been returned, with the Groningen Museum saying that it has suffered but it is in good shape. That's your latest news headlines. In a moment, today's deep dive into the crackdown on Botox and filler. So did y'all know that you can get pitosis, which is eyelid drooping from Botox? She explained it. It sounded like a brow lift. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Fast forward to the 10 days where it's nearly fully kicked in. Oh, she's spocking all right. I've never in my life been able to put my eyebrows up so high. I got filler today and I look ridiculous. She said she went and just got a dimple removed. Her smile was then crooked. She claimed it was the result of the Botox. There are no shortage of botched Botox and filler videos to be found online, from people who can no longer fully open one eye to those who smile and the muscles pull their lips in all the wrong directions. There are stories of extreme bruising, overfilled lips and eyebrows that make people look like Spock from Star Trek. Then there are those who say that the procedures have caused them immense pain. And while some of them are reversible, fillers can be dissolved, although it can be a painful process, and Botox does eventually wear off, many explain how the changes to their faces have had long-term and even permanent impact. In 2019, there were reports that nearly 200 people had gone blind after botched dermal filler procedures, some performed by poorly qualified practitioners. Some only undergo one or two days of training before putting needles in patients' faces, a part of the body filled with a complex network of nerves, blood vessels and muscle. There have been cases of operators accidentally injecting filler into veins and arteries, blocking the face's blood supply. People have been burned by laser treatments, have had to have corrective surgery after thread lifts go wrong, and some are being allowed to continually have procedures done when they've made it clear their mental health is driving them to do so. There have been concerns for many years that Australians see these procedures as a beauty therapy no different to having a facial, rather than the medical procedure it actually is. But despite the risks, Australians are big spenders. A 2016 report put the figure at somewhere around $1 billion on non-surgical treatments every year. A 2019 study reported we spent in excess of $350 million on Botox alone. The data on how many of these procedures go wrong is a little less firm. 
The Health Complaints Commissioner claims they closed 123 complaints about cosmetic service treatments across the 2019-2020 calendar years, but it's thought that number is significantly higher, as many are so embarrassed by the results of a botched procedure that they chose to do willingly, they often don't come forward. Dr Christopher Rudge is a law lecturer at the University of Sydney. In 2018, he conducted a major review of the scope of disciplinary powers exercisable by the New South Wales medical regulator under the relevant health practitioner law. Christopher, do we have any idea just how many people we think are actually harmed by non-surgical cosmetic procedures in Australia each year? Well, there's no public data actually made available and I suspect that's because there is no monitor over the number of people harmed other than through patient complaints and reports. And those patient complaints and reports will go to the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency or they will go in various states to, for example, in New South Wales, the Medical Council of New South Wales or the Healthcare Complaints Commission. And so the regulatory framework is really responsive to patient complaints and there is no, for example, like the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, who might have a database of adverse events for particular drugs, there is no such database in medical services. We've seen in the last 12 months a real crackdown in the area of plastic surgery. So people who actually you know, go under the scalpel, have we seen an impact on that crackdown? Is it having good results? I think so. I think it's effectively an unfinished project, not because of any delay on the part of the regulator, but because these things take time to materialise. And in fact, there has been a proposed change to the law. And so the bill that will give effect to the changes that began, you know, some 12 months and earlier have not actually been finalised in law. So it's still too early, I think, to see the full effect of these reforms. However, from a notice point of view, the health regulator, the practitioner regulator, who is at a national level, the Australian Health Practitioner Agency, has sent a signal to practitioners that enforcement action is very much likely to occur upon the receipt of complaints from patients. And we have seen a number of cosmetic surgery practitioners taken through to the deregistration stage or otherwise having their registrations to practice suspended or very strict conditions imposed on their registration. So I think the surveillance regime of the profession is far more intimidating now, I suppose. The general understanding of practitioners is that they are more scrutinised than before. The regulator is now expanding that beyond plastic surgery into non-surgical procedures like Botox and fillers. Why the expansion and what is that going to look like? Because a lot of these clinics, they seem to come and then go quite quickly too. They open up and then they shut down and move on to something else. Is that going to be harder to monitor? The term to non-invasive cosmetic procedures regulation took many by surprise, including myself, because it was very clearly excluded from the original cosmetic surgery review. I think there has been some consternation among general practitioners who might sometimes be responding to injuries or other complaints 
or might just be aware of those who might have been harmed in these non-surgical cosmetic procedures. And, you know, while there has been some criticism of APRA over the last few years, APRA does seem to have taken the front foot and expanded its review of cosmetic surgery to these non-surgical procedures. It's very early days. They have not undertaken the consultation yet with the sector. And so the proposal is that there'll be more advertising guidelines as well as better guidelines about the process by which informed consent is obtained by the practitioner and possibly some other guidelines about procedure and the Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia has also produced some months ago now enhanced guidelines about which registered nurses or enrolled nurses can perform and the standards expected of them. So it's very early days, but it looks like it can only be a good thing to have more regulation of this sector in circumstances, as you say, where clinics might be very short-lived in terms of their practice and you know, a lack of experience might be there among those who practice or are under the supervision of a practitioner. You mentioned there a crackdown on advertising standards. I Just before this conversation, scrolled through TikTok to see if I could come across any videos that were kind of informative, dressed up, but they're really ads. Hey guys, here's my top three tips on how to improve the results from your tops. Number one is consistency. So treatment needs to be every 12 weeks you need to get the best out of the treatment. Number two is dose. So ensuring that your dose is high enough for your muscle strength. So there's lots of how-tos, do's and don'ts, best ways to look a certain way. Like these all look like informative videos from people who work in the industry, but realistically, it's advertising. Is that kind of thing going to be cracked down on, you think? Guidelines have a limited role to play, but a very important role to play in the regulation of the promotion of medical or health services. As far as ARPA is concerned, it can only really control the promotion of health services, not products. For products, that would be the TGA. And then you've also got an overarching consumer law, which focuses on false and misleading advertising. But that would more often focus on what are clearly advertisements. And as you're alluding to, on TikTok and other social media platforms, sometimes whether something is an advertisement or a kind of expression of opinion can be quite difficult to ascertain. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? So what APRA is proposing is to identify the standards expected of those practitioners who might also work with or be themselves social media influencers to ensure that there are clear rules. And these are soft rules. They're not kind of legislated rules as a result of which a person might be prosecuted in a court, they are kind of guidelines which, if breached, would then come under consideration if a disciplinary proceeding was commenced against the practitioner. So the guidelines are not yet written, but it'll be interesting to see how they're crafted because in the age of social media, the standards can be quite blurry. Christopher, what does this mean for people who've already been harmed? in clinics that inject them with things like Botox and fillers. I mean, it feels like maybe this review should have come many years earlier. (laughs) 
I agree. I don't mean to laugh in jest. I agree because it's so obvious that there have been harms for many years, not just in the non-surgical cosmetic procedure space, but in the cosmetic surgery procedure space, the invasive cosmetic surgery space. And Overall, it has been a long time coming. And for those who are already harmed, arguably it depends on how they action their claim or their complaint. I would recommend anyone who has been the subject of harm to contact the medical board state office in whichever state or territory they live in, or in New South Wales, the Healthcare Complaints Commission, or in Queensland, the Health Ombudsman to prepare a written statement outlining what has happened and they would receive very sound advice and have a response from those agencies. So while all these moves are working to make these non-surgical procedures safer, will a crackdown make it harder for those who do partake in a bit of Botox or a touch of filler to access it? My opinion would be grounded in the boom that APRA has observed in this sector, as well as some of the data published. Given the popularity and the booming nature of the sector, I am not sure that intervention will necessarily limit access. I think that it will hopefully do what it's designed to do, which is to improve the standards. And arguably, if it's a balance between access and safety, I would think most consumers would agree they only want to access safe procedures. So if there are any delays, and I don't think there will be, but if there are, it's arguably for a good reason that safety is definitely more important than access. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. 